State Representative Seth Grove is from York County, and he has taken on the challenge of looking at Pennsylvania election law. I hope you enjoy our conversation. Welcome to Brews and Views. I'm Matt Priet, President and CEO of Commonwealth Partners Chamber of Entrepreneurs. I have a returning guest. I don't know. Is this number three, Seth? That, uh, I, I think third, so. Third yeah. time. Uh, well, congratulations. You are on the leaderboard. Yes. Uh, we'll see if you keep it. But we still are, you know, we were going to have a, a brew, a real brew over this. But, uh, uh, you know, your busy schedule, all of that, uh, family. Um, so you're stuck with coffee uh, this it's all time. Good. But one of these days, we will truly have a brew for brews and views. Well, uh, as uh, our listeners know, Seth Grove is the chairman of the House State Government Committee. And following the 2020 election, uh, Seth was tasked with uh, dealing with a lot of claims of irregularities in voting. And uh, you took that up uh, with all seriousness. Uh, you know, a lot of people wanted action right away. Uh, but you said, all right, let's investigate. Let's understand our election code, because I, I think we're operating on a pretty old uh, set of rules. And now all of a sudden, and, and I have to admit, even from our own organization standpoint, we haven't paid much attention to this. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think what we've seen with elections and people claiming fraud and, and stolen elections, um, that we need to pay attention to this. We need to have confidence mm-hmm. Uh, in our votes, uh, that my vote is counted and not negated by somebody who shouldn't be voting. Um, so, Seth, uh, talk about how you took up a lot of these arguments, these claims, and I mean, you're continuing to hear them um, as the House State Government Committee. How have you guys addressed this issue of election fraud and election irregularities and confidence in our vote? All right. Well, actually, it all started before the election. Uh, we we passed House Bill 2626 over to the Senate that dealt with a lot of election reform issues. Uh, the Senate didn't take it up. Uh, the governor threatened a veto. Um, I still think we should have put that on the governor's desk and made him make a decision on it. Um, and, and then and that was to try to yeah, address had, some of the mail-in stuff. Right, uh, yeah. right. Had some some good chain of custody, election security issues. Uh, had pre-canvassing, three days worth of pre-canvassing to, to start counting the, the, the mail-in ballots a little earlier. Yeah, to get pre-canvassing them done. meaning like, look, when you mail in something, you right. got multiple envelopes. It takes time to unfold them. Right. And that's what uh, caused a lot of delays in right. the uploading of votes is because uh, it just takes a lot of manual labor, right? Right. And, and under and law, they couldn't uh, open up any of those envelopes prior to what 8 p.m. Correct. on election day correct and since and, and you can could see the difference between the 2020 general election the 21 2021 primary election dealing with mail-in ballots we had far less so counties could actually count them open them pre-camp we do have pre-canvassing starts at 7 a.m. so they started okay. opening them okay uh, all the mail-in ballots came in first um, that's why everyone's like oh we're losing the constitutional amendments and then all those in-person votes came in second and we, we ended up getting a huge, Pennsylvania voters gave Pennsylvania a huge win in curtailing um, executive power overreach. But you can see you can see the difference between that and the 2020, where all the in-person votes came in first, and then the mail-in ballots started trickling thereafter. Well, so let, let's uh, even kind of maybe even back up further, because um, 
Pennsylvania uh, prior to the 2020 election, I think was the top day of voting state, meaning that like 96 percent of voters showed up uh, on election day to cast their vote. And that was because absentee ballots required, they, they required an excuse, you know, whether you uh, were disabled or you were traveling out of state and couldn't, but you were otherwise required if you wanted to cast a vote to show up on election day. Well, Act 77, as we know, uh, was, was passed in, uh, I think, December of 2019. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of people just weren't really, you know, it wasn't on the radar screen, not right. a big deal. Um, of course, pre-COVID, mm-hmm. uh, so the idea that uh, all of a sudden Pennsylvanians are going to want to use mail-ins rather than uh, showing up. Um, so then all of these, I mean, it was kind of a perfect storm, it right? It was, it was. So we make these changes, allowing for mail-in votes and even uh, early voting in a sense, uh, mm-hmm. because you could get uh, a ballot up to 50 days um, under the new law. Uh, so it really changed things, and I know that every state that has gone this route has had a lot of hiccups and challenges. And I know you guys tried to address them, but Governor Wolf uh, was uh, recalcitrant in making those changes. Right. And from what we saw from the primary, um, you know, there was the the first primary uh, of, of 2020 was the first time people could use the no-excuse mail-in ballots. Um, we had some issues with that on top of new machines, right? Because yeah. governor decertified machines. So counties had a, a new election process to deal with on top of working through new machines. In York County, our general election of 2019 was a giant mess because they didn't have really enough machines to handle a, municipal, a, a slow municipal primary. They did get those. The, most counties who, who operated machines, new machines in 2019, got those corrected for 2020 and now they have but then then we have mail-in ballots that they had to prepare for on top of pandemic we ended up delaying the primary um until june uh so and and we didn't have any problems with the mail-in ballots in in 2020 there was some 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 small concerns we tried to address in act 12 um so Everything was good to go until we got closer to the general election, and then the lawsuits started happening. Department of State late guidance in September, where they started creating laws and rules. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, we tried and to— even hours before polls were opening, they were right, kind of changing rules, right? right? Sending out um, emails to the counties, directing them to, to do stuff. So we saw a huge manipulation between the courts and the Department of State. Um, which really gave counties a lot of problems in the administration of the election of, of 2020. Um, and then we just have, you know, the, the Department of State and counties not disclosing information to help voters understand what's happening. So we have these um, negative vote counts that pop up a few days after an election. So we, we saw that um, after November or after this last primary, um, numbers were redacted. Well, what happened? Uh, Montgomery County sent a double file to the Department of State. Department of State catches it a few days later, and they have to retract the numbers. The problem is they don't tell anyone. So everyone's like, oh, it's happening again. Mm -hmm. The steal's on. Um, but it's, it's, again, it's bad election administration that leads to these and a complete lack of communication of, to, to, uh, to, for the general public to understand what is occurring. All you have to do is, is let people know 
what's happening yeah. and then yeah. alleviates a lot of those concerns. Well, and that's where, you know, I'm looking at some of the arguments being made of, you know, from an audit the vote type mm-hmm. of thing. And, uh, you know, some of these statements of fact that are, uh, hey, there are 21,000 confirmed dead voters. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, I mean, yes, uh, there are some dead voters on the roll, but um, what we've only been able to confirm is that less than 100 uh, 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 dead voters uh, cast votes. Of course, just somebody at home got, uh, mm-hmm. you know, because we haven't cleaned up the rules. So there, so some of these things can be explained fairly right. easily, right. but there isn't a real uh, process of explaining that. Now, I know your committee mm-hmm. said, all right, we're going to tackle this. We're going to look at all, do, you know, a complete elections um, overall, you know, or look at it, right? Get under the hood. Right. What's working? What's right. not working? And, so, and tell us about what yeah, you did. I mean, right after the election, we actually approved the Legislative Budget Finance Committee, which is our our audit committee um, in the House to do an audit of the 2020 election, a full risk-limiting audit. They shot it down. Uh, their management entity is is two Democrats, two Republicans, bicameral um, entity. And uh, they shot it down. So we said we don't have any mechanism to audit this moving forward in the House. So we went into our constitutional duty to provide oversight of our laws and the administration of those laws. Um, So we did 10 hearings. It's the most in-depth, complex um, oversight process by any state in the entire country Mm -hmm. on elections. Uh, We found out a lot. We learned a lot. Uh, because you were looking at laws that were passed, what, 70, 80 right. years ago? The, the bulk uh, of our yeah. laws are passed in 1937. Okay. So it's some of it's written in King's language. That was before the iPhone, I believe. Right, right. So, right. And, and, and it, was, it was established, <laughs> our election laws in 1937 were established in an agrarian society mm-hmm. where, you know, small towns were voting and you knew everyone. The poll workers knew every single person walking in there. That's not reality yeah, today. Yeah, right. Today we have a transient society. And, you know, I even look at the street list in my own neighborhood. Like I got people moving in and out of my neighborhood all the time. Mm-hmm. I don't know necessarily know all my neighbors. Um, so how is a election poll worker supposed to know every single person that walks into that polling and that place was kind of it was built around hey right. we we kind of we know our right. community and we hey know we know we know john just recently passed away we can remove his yeah. name oh the the schmitz down the street they just moved away we know we can remove them that's not today's so, society. So let's kind of even mm-hmm. uh, walk back here. So uh, the the voter registration is handled by the county, correct? So right. when you move in to a particular county, you are registering to vote in that county. This isn't a statewide system per se, right? Right. Each so, county each county does their own registration, mm-hmm. and they have responsibility of maintaining those registration rules, right? Right. And we have we do have a uniform system where all that data is aggregated to the, the Department of State under the short system, the state's uh, statewide um, uniform registry of electors. Um, but, but it's only as good as the data that's being put in, right? It, right? And, and we, we do have quotes, uh, and, and it was verified through our hearings that our elections directors actually don't need to validate voter registration applications. Um, they can do their best, but at the end of the day, they can just add them to the voter rolls. Mm-hmm. That's a problem. Mm-hmm. Um, we also found out these... Meaning um, there isn't a verification that this person is who they say they are. Right. And so that, if they're, uh, if they're, they're if they, or, yeah. right, if they send in uh, application says Seth Grove address and they don't have the last four of their social security or a driver's license, they're supposed to go back and validate that. Well, they can do quote the best job they can, 
or um, you know, if, if you transpose your driver's license number or something along those lines and you go to the DMV and it's not listed, um, that number's not listed mm -hmm. under theirs, um, they're supposed to reach out to that person and validate that information. They don't have to do yeah, that. Yeah. And they can just say, well, we did the best job we can and we can't. So let's 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 say we have, you know, you remember the group Acorn? Yes. Yeah. Uh, from like the, the Bush era presidency. Right. They did all these voter registrations. They actually legally did voter mm -hmm. registration. They were dismantled. Let's say a group like that would dump 10,000 voter registrations, new voter registrations on a county. And the very last day, you're, you're able to register to vote. Mm -hmm. How's the county going to handle 10,000 new voter registrations plus everything else they're doing? You know, they're going to look at right. that and say, oh, we just, let's just do what we can. Yeah. Um, and it's, 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 not, it's not good in this system. Yeah. So you have to go back and say you have to validate these. If you can't validate these, you're not, you, you can't register to vote because that's the gatekeeper. Right. That's the most important right. part about the entire process. That gives anybody the access to go vote. Right. You're saying you are a legitimate voter. Go vote. Mm -hmm. So your committee has ten hearings mm -hmm. on all all topics. I mean, we, I mean, we, we started with yeah, voter yeah. registration, and we went step by step through the entire election process to uh, post election audit process. We had the secretary discussing her guidance. We had the auditor general uh, and groups discussing election audits. Um, so it was it was robust. It was complex. It was a deep dive. Hearings lasted anywhere from two to four hours. Um, so we had over 52 testifiers, over 30 hours of hearing time, um, 10 hearings. It was it was a lot of a lot of work. And what were some of the highlights that you say? Okay, here are some real problems that uh, give credence to people's claims that uh, look, we we don't have confidence right. in our election system. And, and it really goes back to how audible our system actually is. So let's start with just the comment of we don't validate voter registration. So when we look at, you know, 21,000 confirmed dead voters, like we, we don't have confidence in the election system to begin with to make sure we have legitimate voters built into that system. Mm -hmm. Auditing that entire system, you know, the Auditor General attempted to do that in 20, what was it, 2018. Department of State didn't give them the, the and by the way, that was Eugene D. Pasquale, Democrat, mm -hmm. that attempted to audit the shore mm -hmm. system and had a scathing response um, to the Department of State and counties not handing over information. That's a that's a big problem. Um, and then what was done with that? I mean, did, it just didn't go anywhere? What, right, what? it just didn't go anywhere. So now we have to go back and, and fix those issues. So we need to make sure the Auditor General has access and can actually audit that system to make sure we have uh, a good, secure system. And two, we need statute that says, hey, county elections directors, you're going to have to validate voter registrations before you add them to the voter registration mm -hmm. role. Um, this web API thing. Um, prior to explain on, that, yeah, Web. prior to <laughs> prior to online voter registration, most states, including Pennsylvania, created this web system that third parties can use to register voters. Um, it has to have certain certification requirements. You can um, online or with an iPad use this to go around registering voters. So you collect their name, mm -hmm. their address, last four of the social security, mm -hmm. driver's license, signature. That is batch sent up to the Department of State. Department of State will determine what county and send it to those counties for voter registration. The problem is these third parties keep that information, and then they use it for get out the vote. Yep. Are you voting? So organizations like Rock the Vote, One Voice, um, Tom Wolf for governor, 
U.S. Senate candidates, mostly left-leaning or Democrat candidates, have utilized the system. I haven't seen one conservative or Republican group, right-leaning group, utilize that system. Well, we now have mail-in ballots, and they have an application process online as well. Mm -hmm. So the the data you collect as this third-party web API for voter registration is the same stuff to apply for an absentee ballot. So we asked the department, if I'm a third-party using web API, I already have all the information I need to go apply for a ballot on behalf of somebody. What stops me as an organization from taking that data that I already have, submitting an application, and having the application rerouted to a PO box or some other place where I now Mm -hmm. have 500, 600, 700 ballots where I'm just voting and then sending them back in? They don't have any con- internal control process for that. Hmm. So you really have to, with online voter registration through the Department of State and with technology today, I can walk around with my iPhone and register people to vote directly with the Department of State. I protect their identity. I protect their information because it's going directly to the government in a protected um, way, not going to a third party. So with technology today and the fact that we have online voter registration, we don't need that web API anymore. You know, if you're if you're an organization, you but, want to get and you're out saying the vote, that that's, go buy yeah, a list, right? Yeah. And you're saying that that's a that's a, a, Huge. a too easy of a way Huge. to be manipulated, right. right? That that you might be thinking, oh, I'm registering to vote, but all of a sudden, it doesn't show up for you, right? Or, and it's actually being mailed to or, somebody, or else. they're just using that to to apply for ballots for people, okay? And, and all of a sudden, you we, get ballots. Coming you're, at your house. You're not saying that that was happening in right. this last election. You're saying it just creates the potential for that. Mm-hmm. And this is just one of those right. things that you found, hey, here's how we can uh, create greater uh, trust in the right. registration process right. and voting. Even, yeah. even with voter registration, if you think about it, um, if if now we do have a voter registration law. So if you're voting for the first time in your precinct, yeah. you have to show 16 forms of ID, right? I mean, it's, it's pretty open-ended. Let's say, you know, you, you have someone on the vote because we don't do list maintenance at all. So you can have people, um, you know, still eligible vote 20 years out. Right. What if I, you know, I get the list, I find out someone that hasn't voted in 20 years, and I walk into a polling place and say, hey, I'm I'm John Smith. Okay, here you go. Sign it. Uh, oh, yeah, that's me right there from that address because I have it. Right. I know how often you voted, and I know you haven't voted hardly at all or if all. Um, um, I sign it. I go vote. What's what's to stop that from happening? That's why you need to empower that voter ID to make sure you capture those those type of events mm-hmm. happening. I mean, I could I could bus in people from everywhere and overload polling places where they're just cranking people through and illegitimately allowing people right. to vote who who aren't that individual. Because right. again, we're not an agrarian society. Those poll workers don't know every person mm-hmm. on that list. Mm-hmm. They may know the super look, voters. Look, and, and having been, you know, a judge of elections, mm-hmm. uh, recruiting people uh, to come work the polls is not easy uh, because you're asking people to give up, you know, a good 12 hours right. of their day. Uh, I think it's probably 110 bucks or something, mm-hmm. if I remember, at least when I was doing it. Um, and so you have a lot of turnover there. So you're right. not getting the same people year after year after year running those right. polls. Some places are. But uh, so y- your 10 hearings, you ended up uh, producing a report, what, yep. like a 100-page report it's, or thereabouts? It's uh, 100 page, It's 99 plus a cover sheet, so you can call it 100. <laughs> um, and it's substantial. It's, it's, it, and and our, our election hearings were based on the actual law and the actual administration of the mm-hmm. law. The report is based on what people said during the hearing. 
um, loaded with quotes, and we base our recommendations off what the testifier said uh, and the salient issues we uncovered uh, so, throughout so the process. So before we get into some of the highlights mm-hmm. uh, that you, you would say, these are the things that I think we must tackle, mm-hmm. uh, where could folks find this? If they want to read this report, where, do they, where send them what address? Yep, repgrove.com, and then just click on the House State Government website. You can All the hearings are listed there. You can watch them. Uh, all 10 hearings, um, all the reports we've produced, because we did do a, a, a report on the 2020 election uh, that we put out in December, highlighting all the deficiencies of the uh, Department of State as well as the, the Supreme Court, which created the chaos in, in the 2020 election cycle. Um, so all that information is okay, there. So repgrove.com, uh, where yep. you can see these reports. So. And I even have the raw data from the statewide risk limiting audit that was completed. So okay. viewers can go look at the raw data on on that um, on that audit. Okay. So let uh, before we get into like the things that you think we need to change, mm-hmm. you know, prospectively. Um, there's a lot of folks who are saying, hey, we need to go audit the vote of mm-hmm. 2020 first because, one, we either think there's cheating or that these machines didn't work, you know, Dominion. All, so that the, there's a lot of folks who are saying we need to look back first uh, before we look forward. Have you done any of that looking back? And or what what are you know, talk about uh, how you answer people that say mm-hmm. we need an audit of the 2020 election because uh, I don't trust anything going forward if right. we don't. So, number one, the election hearings cover the 2020 election because we looked at all elections. We looked at 2020 with 2019. We looked at the impact of new election laws. Even when the Russians stole it back right. in 2016 for right. Trump? What, right. Did you look at that right. one or not? We, 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 looked, we looked at all those elections and how our laws uh, were operated through, throughout um, the, the, basically the re- recent uh, history of mm-hmm. our elections here, here in the Commonwealth. Um, through that, we, we developed the report. So the 2020 election was extensively covered in, in numerous hearings, uh, but it wasn't a focus just on the 2020 election because we had other elections and there were tons of, of laws that people didn't know about or the administration that, that needed covered as well. Um, and the thing you need to remember is we tried the audit and we did it early. Why? Because once those machines are used in the next election, they're wiped. Mm-hmm. The data is gone because mm-hmm. they need to prepare them for the next election. So all the machines that were used in the 2020 election, 2021 election, are wiped. There's no data available. There's nothing. Now, Fulton County did, and they have Dominion machines. They did do an audit. They opened up the machines illegally, uh, and they, they basically verified that their hand count, because remember, the whole point of having those ballots is yeah. to do a hand count, yeah. and, and you have verification. So you so have both they, a hard copy right. and a digital. And, um, and I know this hasn't been reported uh, no one's really, but it came out square. Like they didn't find any issues. So you had a uh, a Republican county. Fulton right. County is a right. Republican county. Mm-hmm. They have Dominion voting machines. Mm-hmm. Uh, they opened them up, which right. of course would you know kind of right. it's like breaking the seal of right. you know uh, of your iPhone or whatever, right? right? Uh, which negates, I guess, mm-hmm. their ability to. Use them. So yeah, they, had to, they, they had to buy new machines at the end okay. of the day. But but what they found out is that, okay, the data that was collected there was the exact same as right. what there, we had in hard copies. There was no algorithm used. Yeah. Uh, the machines did what they were supposed to do. They tabulated the votes and gave a, a fast tabulation instead of going back and doing hand recounts of all those ballots. Uh, so we do, we do know that for a fact here in Pennsylvania, okay. at least in one county using Dominion machines, that um, they, they did do appropriate job. And if you do the front-end work, they work. They work fine. Um, so we don't have the machines. The ballots are still there. 
Um, at any point, the Trump administration or any candidate on the ballot could have requested a hand recount of those ballots. You have literally four months in statute to request a hand recount of the ballots. Nobody requested a hand recount of the ballots. So within- so, so the, the Trump team that was uh, the legal team, they Correct. never argued that right. or they never argued it. That? And we, we, okay. we told them, we told them under state law, you can do a hand recount. And they never wanted to go through the process to pay or do a hand recount. I don't know what they paid in legal fees, um, but it would have paled into comparison to do a hand recount uh, of mm-hmm. the ballots. Mm-hmm. Now, the ballots are still sitting there, but the question is, how good's the chain of custody anymore? Yeah. Um, so, and that's why it's not going to produce anything. Um, two, if you want your counties to do a hand recount and you can go look at those ballots, if you have questions over the, 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 how valid those ballots are, you can go to your board of elections. They have broad powers for investigation and subpoenas. You can go put pressure on your board of elections to do that investigation on those ballots. Um, so if you have a Republican county where the county commissioners say, you know what, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna look at our ballots to, to, to see, mm-hmm. um, they can do that. So mm-hmm. we have those provisions in law uh, to allow that investigation to so, move forward. So in some of these things, um, you know, a, a audit, this isn't something that you can do as a legislature, right? right. I mean, you or uh, and what people are really asking is we want an investigation. Right. They, uh, from, yeah. from what I've seen, they, they want to prosecute the fraud. Okay. Um, so which is, is that's not but, what we do. Uh-huh. We, we literally were the legislative branch. Who, we who make would statute. be responsible for that then? So you have Josh Shapiro, the attorney general uh-huh. of Pennsylvania. Uh, and you have your local district attorneys. They're the ones um, who prosecute fraud. Okay. And that's what we've seen. Like all of our fraud cases, um, I just did recently a video listing all the fraud cases of recent history. Um, they were all um, anomalies found out by county election boards given over to prosecutors and prosecuted. So you had U.S. attorneys, you had attorney general, and you had DAs doing these prosecutions. So, and so and like, we had prosecutions yeah. in the 2020 election. Okay. We did. So, so and uh, to that, um, mm-hmm. are these where you have people doing massive voter fraud, or is it more uh, someone voted for a deceased, uh, uh, you know, parent or something right most the the 2020 prosecutions have been around an individual um trying to vote for a deceased individual uh we've had prior cases where there was an attempt to do larger scale fraud through absentee ballots you know there was a big case in 1994 uh the stinson marks senate race where stinson the democrat committed mass fraud marks was able to prove it so the um pensive so the federal court um, basically rescinded Stinson and right. put Marks in place, uh-huh. uh, which is a huge anomaly. And, uh-huh. and honestly, that's not going to happen even at the federal level. Yeah. Um, the replacement is would be com- President Kamala Harris. Mm-hmm. Oh, but if she's tied into it, third in command would be Speaker Nancy Pelosi would be President of the United States. Mm-hmm. There's no process <laughs> to kind of you would go and, over and, the line of succession. I mean, and in Pennsylvania, uh, Joe Biden won by 84,000 yeah. votes. Um, yeah. And so in terms of the fraud that anybody right. could point to was not even close to those kinds of numbers. Right. And honestly, the big trigger, I would say what lost Trump the election here in Pennsylvania is the removal of the Green Party candidate yeah. off the presidential ballot. Well, I, I say that the, the election was stolen in September of 2020 when the Supreme Court, mm-hmm. um, through a technicality, overturned a Commonwealth Court ruling uh, that uh, um, kicked the Green Party candidate off the right. ballot. And when you look down ballot, 
Green Party candidates got between 70 and 80,000 votes for Auditor General, Treasurer, and um, the the Attorney General. Um, And so it's not a stretch to say, well, if that alternative had been there for the presidential election. um, And if you remember in 2016, there was a president, a Green Party presidential candidate, Jill Stein. That's right. And and this, and it's amazing how everything's connected. So in 2016, (laughs) she got 54,000 votes, and Trump won by what 44,000. Right. right? So the Green Party candidate gave Trump the victory in in 2016. Jill Stein then sued the Commonwealth because we, she didn't like the machines we used, and she didn't like our post-election audit process. Um, So (laughs) Governor Wolf then agreed, uh, did a settlement. He decertified all the election machines, which started Pennsylvania on the entire movement towards the election law changes, leading into the Democrats removing the Green Party candidate off the ballot Uh and, uh, you know, basically giving Joe Biden the win. I mean, that was it right right, there. Right, right, right. Which all is is very interesting. Mm -hmm. I've made the the, the joke about the Russians stealing in 20. I mean. The, the roles have been reversed in a way, right? I mean, because yeah. we were told that uh, the Russians manipulated mm-hmm. uh, the vote in 2016 and that Donald Trump was not legitimate. And this goes, I mean, this is to kind of bring this to back is that, look, we need to have confidence right. uh, in our election system. Mm-hmm. And uh, your report outlines a lot of them. We don't have to, to go through all of them. Um, but your, your, your committee um, did this heavy lift of saying, here are the reforms that we desperately need. And it's, it's kind of like when you have uh, Florida 2000, exactly. uh, that became the impetus for them to really overhaul their election system. And it's one, I think people point to it. I mm-hmm. mean, I mean, you've looked at this, but I think uh, Florida is one where they've got mail-in uh, voting. Um, they have extended, in, I mean, they've got a lot. early voting. Yeah. They have pre-registration of 16-year-olds. They have a lot of what um, Democrats call, um, you know, accessibility mm-hmm. Um They've created that, and right. they figured out how to make it work, right? right. I mean, and it's taken time. It's right, and that's the big of, thing. Yeah. You, 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 with elections, you have to keep working at it. You have to keep improving, and that's what they did. They had major reforms after 2000, and they kept working at it to the point where they had a very flawless election in 2020, and they're very proud of that, and they should be because they put the work to make it happen, and, and that's it, what we need to do. Yeah, is uh, are there states that you guys looked at and said, there's a model for us, or yeah. are there some that you kind of pick and choose? Yeah, there's there's tons of best practices yeah. out there, and, and the funny part is one of the best practices for mail-in ballots is signature verification, mm. which the Supreme Court ruled. So that, that, you know, you look at all mail-in states like Utah and Colorado. Colorado's a very... Democrat state. Utah is a very Republican state. I say uber Republican state, yeah, right? Right. Um, they both have uniform mail. They don't have really have in person voting. You vote by mail. You can drop it off at certain locations, um, but they're all mail in. Mm-hmm. They have robust signature verifications. Um, Colorado has this awesome law in Georgia Act. It's in the Georgia provision, which came from a Democrat House bill, um, but they have access to ballots like you as the general public can review the ballots after the election um so i think those smart transparency measures uh, those best practices will really help pennsylvania moving forward particularly since you know it is it is a, a known fact that signature verification works having unique identifying information works and that stuff needs validated before those ballots are open and so uh, part of this challenge mm-hmm. is that Governor Wolf uh, doesn't have a whole lot of incentive uh, to make any changes, right? They think that this 
election work just fine. Um, are, are there areas so, where you're going to get agreement uh, with? That's that's the yeah. funny part. As much as they say this, you know, it was a flawless, amazing yeah. election. We have them <laughs> pat on, ourselves on the right. Back. You know, uh, yeah. the Department of State has requests for changes. Um, the county commissioners desperately want changes. Mm -hmm. uh, I have like the reports loaded with stakeholder groups and individuals, everything from elections directors um, to, to right-leaning and left-leaning stakeholder groups want changes. Um, I, I think I have more Democrat election code bills sitting in the state government committee than I do Republican ones. So everybody wants changes. Mm -hmm. So there's great pressure to do that. Um, and I think we're at a, I mean, I, I, it, it's sad to say, but Pennsylvania is in a great position to actually do election reform because our election law is god awful. It's mm -hmm. from 1937. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it refers to disabled people as mentally retarded. Mm -hmm. Think about that. That's how the law, yeah. like that's how the base law treats disabled people yeah. in Pennsylvania. It does not help them to vote, and they've had to sue us to get um, their rights mm -hmm. voting. Let's go fix it. Mm -hmm. um, so we have great opportunity here, unlike a lot of other states who have modernized and done a lot of lot of stuff to help people vote, as well as making sure they have a secure and and um, make sure their their election system is is so, has integrity. So some of the concerns that uh, were raised were things I don't think anybody really foresaw. Um, mm -hmm. Things like you know uh, Mark Zuckerberg uh, spending right. a bunch of money in right. heavily Democratic counties to. You know, open up accessibility and uh, right. you know uh, things like what what would have been been called the Zucker boxes, right? Of, right. Of Zuck these box. yeah, yeah. Box. Um, being you know uh, ease of of well, again, people are concerned mm -hmm. that uh, you could stuff the ballot, you could uh, harvest ballots and put them in these boxes. You could right? you could yeah. use um, government services to micro target certain demographics for political purposes, mm -hmm. instead of spread that money across and making sure that every voter has voter education and, right. and voter access. Well, and, that, and that's yeah. what happened with the Zuckerbucks. Mm -hmm. I mean, they spent 10 to one in Philadelphia, $10 yeah. for every yeah. voter in Philadelphia. Right. Every Republican County was under 50 cents. Mm -hmm. So it was basically like, we're going to give a lot of money to Democrat controlled counties We'll give some to Republican counties to make it look bipartisan, yeah. but it's going to be pennies on the dollar. Well, and that that's where, you know, private money mm -hmm. for public elections. I right. mean, I would think that that should just be prohibited. Right. I, I don't know, because it's a, a listen, Unless you're saying, look, we're going to allocate private money on an equal basis right. so that every, all 67 counties get equal access based upon— Equitable you know, funding, yeah, right? Equitable. Aren't we equitable? for equitable? We are for <laughs> equitable funding. And that's, that's the way it should be. Like, you— you, you should make sure that every county and every voter has access to those tools. Yeah. Um, and I, I think that's a that's an appropriate way um, to deal with with private dollars coming in. Um, you know, if Mike Zuckerberg wants to put five hundred million dollars into Pennsylvania to help people vote, um, it should be sent, yeah. spent in 67 counties in an equitable way. Not just the uh, y yes. Right. So so um, uh, throughout all of this and all the recommendations mm -hmm. that you make in there. Um, are you taking away the right to vote from anybody that legally has the right to vote? I mean, because this is this is the claim, right? right. It, it, it's that uh, voter voting rights are being stolen or, right. or suppressed, or that mm -hmm. this is an effort to suppress uh, people's ability to vote. Um, are any of the? I mean, can can 
Has anybody pointed out that this is a person that would be deprived of their vote if you got your way with all your elections? Reforms? No, no one has even brought that up, uh, particularly with, with the report we came out with. No one has brought that up at all, um, particularly the legislation we're looking at. Um, I think we'll expand access in numerous ways. Um, we do legislate around um, stuff that's not in the election code, like drop boxes. They're not in the election code. They mm -hmm. were a administration administ administration created them through guidance. Um, so we we make sure that it's a uniform process uh, that makes sure that they're accessible to all of them. We make sure counties can't you know just put them maybe in a Democrat only areas or Republican right. only right. areas. Right. Like you need to make sure they're ge geographically dispersed throughout the counties. Making sure that we have the right placement, making sure that, you know, it's a voting system. You should be able to have observers there watching it. They should be secure. They should be emptied at night. Right? <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. So, some basic things. But so, so uh, what's your expectation or hope? Uh, are we going to have this done before the November election here in 21? Or what? Uh, what's kind of the timeline you're on? Um, we will be unveiling our Election Integrity Act. Pennsylvania Election Integrity Act um, very shortly. Um, we will be moving it out of committee Monday morning. Um, it is It covers a lot of the issues people have been talking about, a lot of problems from the counties. Uh, we expand accessibility. Um, we, we, we go out of our way to help um, disabled voters. We help individuals in long-term care. We have process set up to help them mm. vote in a secure manner. Um, so we do a lot of great stuff uh, and a lot of stuff we've talked about earlier to, to really increase accessibility and make sure every process has utmost uh, integrity and it's all auditable. So, so one of the you know kind mm -hmm. of uh, um, cliches is that we want to make it easy to vote and hard mm -hmm. to cheat, right? right? I mean, but that's what everybody should right. be for, right? right. So, so the idea that you, you've put this all in a bill and yeah. uh, we're going to see it here soon. Right. Um, it's about 140-ish, 150 pages. Um, it's, it, it does a great job of modernizing the language, modernizing how we run elections, and it focuses on the reality that we do not have an agrarian society where we know every single person going in. All right, so we're gonna we'll keep our eyes and see how that moves. And I guess this is walking and chewing gum, doing the budget, getting elections right. reforms. Um, we've gone way over here, but I appreciate your coming on to talk about this. These are it's, things that people are concerned about. Listen, elections are the first step in our governance. Mm -hmm. uh, without them, we do not have the government system we have in today. We need to do. We, we in government need to do a better job of funding and securing it and making sure every legal voter has access to votes. Uh, and that is reducing waiting lines to make sure that you don't have an hour wait, which disenfranchises right. people, uh, to making sure that you know you can securely vote by mail, but it's a secure process that we all trust. Right. So that is the goal, and uh, that's what we're going to deliver to Pennsylvanians. Well, uh, Seth Grove, uh, uh, chairman of the House State Government Committee, go to repgrove.com. Uh, you can read the report there, see what they found, what they've investigated, uh, explored, and what they're proposing. So uh, thanks for coming back on Brews and Views, Seth. We'll do. Thanks. Maybe we can make it 10 by the end yeah, of this th year. There we can go. We? Uh, <laughs> I want record setting. Record setting we'll, Brews we'll and Views. We'll keep trying. We'll All keep right. trying. Thanks. You've been listening to Brews and Views, a production of Commonwealth Partners Chamber of Entrepreneurs. 
Find us on Facebook at Commonwealth Partners and follow Matt Briette at M-A-T-T-B-R-O-U-I-L-L-E-T-T-E. -T -T -E.